would like to repeat what Todd said this morning concerning himself. I am not the regular preacher. I am the second guest speaker that he spoke of. I kind of think that Todd would agree in saying that uh, mostly this congregation is used to having T-bone steak and porterhouse steak as far as sermon quality. And today you're probably hearing hamburger and barbecue. So uh, hopefully we will stick as Todd did by the word of God. I would wholeheartedly amen the words that Todd brought in his lesson. I think that he spoke the truth and I think he spoke of those things which we need to be aware of. I would like to offer uh, my thanks, my deep thanksgiving for Brother Kerry Fortenberry for offering me the opportunity to stand before you. I don't know if he offered that opportunity and knowing that he was going to be gone so he couldn't be taken outside the city gates and stoned when it was over with, but uh, I, I do appreciate his offering and his confidence in offering me that opportunity. would like to make one further comment and then we'll have our lesson for this morning. Two words that Brother John Schultz used in his discussion or his statement about our offering. He made the statement that we have a small amount that we offer back of God's blessings. And I think that John was exactly right on that. No matter how large an amount, we offer back a small amount. And he read from Brother Scott Tope's offering of his work over in Botswana. There are thousands of people around the world and in this country as well they don't have the blessed opportunity that we do to come into a fine air-conditioned building and sit where we can hear in, in great comfort when it's 90-something degrees outside. It feels like it's maybe 100. There are many people that don't have that opportunity. And any time that you can, from your funds, offer help to those people, you should take advantage of it. The church has a responsibility, and, and this congregation does well. And we take our opportunity to help by offering uh, as we get, lay by and store up on the first day of the week. But that's the only, not the only opportunity that we have to do that. And you have also an opportunity to use your time to help others, even those of this congregation. That's a part of what we do to serve God, is to offer our time. That's the most valuable thing that God has given us. It's one thing you can't buy back, and the only thing that you can give that no one else can give like you. So when you have that opportunity, please do that in helping people out. I would like to talk about the subject of disappointing people today. Jacob had a lesson on who we are and a way to free our minds up. And one of the ways that we uh, define who we are is how we make choices. And I believe that a great number of people, if you're like me, a lot of the choices that we make we make because we don't want to disappoint someone. And we choose to do one thing versus another thing because we don't want to disappoint someone. Generally speaking, husbands don't want to disappoint their wives. They make choices a lot of times to do things that uh, might be a little bit difficult for them because they want to please their wife. Most men will say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Now, my wife will tell you, if Sunday ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So I'm not going to argue with that. I don't know which way it goes. It may go both ways for everyone. But I'll guarantee you, 
you need to try and please your wife. That's one of the problems a lot of times young newlyweds have is because there's a failure to have that leaving and cleaving. The wife or the son doesn't leave mom and daddy. It's not always the wife. A lot of times men want to you know, act like it's the wife that doesn't leave mom and daddy and, they, and they're hanging on to them. There's a lot of times young men hang on to mom and daddy too. And when you don't leave that home and cleave together as one, there's going to be problems. Husbands and wives need to please one another. And we make a lot of choices because of that. We choose a lot of time to disappoint those who are not our family members because we'd rather please our family members. And that's natural that we do that. And the things in this worldly life, we a lot of times we make choices because of that. If in business, a lot of people don't want to get into management because it's very hard to be a manager. You can't be friends with all the employees and be a manager. Sometimes you're going to have to disappoint those who work for you. And that's why a lot of people don't want to get into management because it's difficult to make those choices that you have to tell someone to do something that's not pleasant for them or not happy for them. And so you make that decision. And that's why a lot of people don't get into management. The same thing holds true in the spiritual lives. A lot of times we make decisions uh, in our spiritual lives that are maybe not the best decision because we would like to please one person as opposed to pleasing God. There are several examples throughout the Bible we find of people who chose to please man rather than pleasing God. I like to look to the book of Psalms for some help in how our lives should be structured. Sometimes it's just a little bit scary when you look at what David wrote in some of the Psalms about how he wanted God to seek him out and to look for him. In Psalms, the 139th chapter, the last two verses of that chapter to me are very frightening sometimes. Frightening when I think of what God would find if he were to search me. In Psalms chapter 139, if you want to look there, in verse 23, David wrote, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm not always willing to make that statement. Sometimes I'm a little afraid to ask God to come into my heart and see what's there and see what anxieties I have because of the decisions I'm trying to make. Because I'm not always sure that what I'm making as far as a decision is what God would have me to do. But David was a brave man. He was a man who had great valor, great courage. And he wanted God to come into his heart and make certain that his decisions were done properly. To try me, that is to search through me, to compare those things that I am thinking with those things you would have me to do, to know my heart, to understand me. See if there is any wicked way me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you offer that as a prayer sometimes to your God? Do you say, God, please help me to make a decision? 
Please help me to do the thing that is right. Please lead me away from those things that would try me and lead me into temptation. I think more often we need to include in our prayers an offer or a request or a plea for God's help. David was guilty of horrible sins, but he turned back. And he told God in his prayer over in Psalm chapter 51 that my sin is ever before me. I believe that's why David was described as a man after God's own heart was because when he did commit wrong, he acknowledged that wrong. He, as we would say in our parlance today, he owned up to it. He didn't lay it off on someone else. Oh, she shouldn't have been on the roof like that. Well, David should have been at battle. He stayed home from battle that day when he should have been at war with his men. David acknowledged his sin and pled for God not to turn his face away from him. I'm afraid many times we will be found wanting as Belshazzar was when he was there having the great feast using the vessels of God in a drunken feast. And the hand came on the wall and printed out, many, many tickle you farson. That is, thou hast been weighed in the balances and found wanting. The kingdom will be taken away from him. That very night, the Medes and the Persians took the kingdom away from Belshazzar. Belshazzar was using those goblets and those vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the children of Israel. And he was found wanting in the things that he did. How many times will we, when we plead before God for direction, find out that we are found wanting? We have fallen short of God's will. David acknowledged his sin, and we need to as well. In 3 John verse 2, John prayed that those people be well, that they prosper in their physical lives as they were prospering in their spiritual lives. How many times would you want to prosper that way? Are you living well enough spiritually that you'd want your physical life to be that way? Are you that healthy spiritually that you'd want your physical life to be like your spiritual life? Sometimes I'm afraid I'd find myself very sickly in that situation. We need to work hard on our lives to serve God. In John the 12th chapter, there we find that the leaders of the Jews made a choice to serve men rather than to serve God, rather than to acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God. It tells us that they believed that Jesus had done these miracles. They were witnesses to the miracles, just like the disciples were. But they would not turn and follow Christ because they were fearful of losing their seats in the synagogue. How many times do we make a decision because we're afraid our friends will turn away from us? That we'll lose some important position? Or that we won't be liked by somebody that we have to work with all the time. How many times do we stand up for the truth around our friends that may not be Christians and let them know that we are Christians by the decisions that we make? Or how many times do we actually kind of shy away and just be silent? Somebody tells a bad joke and we don't laugh, so we think we're doing pretty good. But we just remain silent. We don't say that's not something you should be talking about. That's something you should be ashamed. We need to step forth and show ourselves as Christians. Be brave. Have the courage of those people in the New Testament. 
Joshua, and we're going to be talking about him next week on our Sunday morning class. We're getting ready to get in the 24th chapter of the book of Joshua. Joshua there challenged the people of Israel. He said, How, who will you serve? Will you serve the gods of the Amorites? Or will you serve the gods of those on the other side of the Jordan? He said, that, you'll have to make that choice. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, it's interesting. The people of Israel said, oh, we promise we'll serve the Lord. But Joshua said, you will be testament against your own selves. Your own words will be used to testify against you because you will turn from God. Look with me in Luke, the 10th chapter. Sometimes I find myself feeling sorry for Martha there in the, in the discussion that, uh, with Christ and about Martha coming and wanting to serve God and, and asking Christ into, into her home. In Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning with about 38, verse 38, there we find a, a young woman evidently doing a good thing and asking Christ into her home. says in Luke 10 and verse 38, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I've a lot of times felt sorry for Martha and thought, well, why did, why did Jesus rebuke her here? But when you look more deeply into the statement that Christ makes here, he's not rebuking Martha for her desire to serve. He's rebuking her because he's let that become a burden to her doing the better thing. She well could have served Christ and served those in her house. But she, did, but she went beyond that. There's someone in the audience that I think probably needs a, a commendation uh, in, in this uh, sort of thing. I think Sister Heather Bennett many times will organize a get-together, a, a function of the church that's outside of the work of the church here. But she has never, to my knowledge, asked the congregation or asked any, anybody in the congregation to leave services or to miss the services to carry on that function. Every time she makes that organization or gets that thing put together, she does so in a way so that we can help out and do our part, but still come to worship God. That's something I think is important. A lot of times that doesn't happen. People will say, well, you know, this is a good thing, and we can miss the services to do that. I've never seen that happen in something she organizes, and I think that's something to, to be commended. It's a good thing. We still get the things done that we need to do to be, uh, you know, hospitable hospitable, that's a hard word for me to say, to, to people, but we get it done while still serving God. And I think that's a good thing. We need to make those plans that way. Sometimes we, we kind of ease off on serving God if we can kind of tie it in to doing something hospitable to those who are God's people. I don't think that's what we need to do. I think we need to make a way to do both of them within their time and the way they're organized. But Martha here was rebuked because she would not choose the best thing. Mary did what was important. She sat down and heard the words of Christ and she listened to him as he spoke those words of salvation. Martha even asked the Lord, she somewhat rebuked the Lord, tell Mary to help me. 
It's your fault she's not helping me out because you're talking now. I, I think we sometimes look at this very wrongly. We need to look and make our choices based upon good things, not on bad things. There are many examples we can find of those who made bad choices. Balaam in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 22, he wanted to serve God, but he also wanted to serve Balak. And so he went to God to find out what God would have him to do as far as cursing the children of Israel. And God told him, don't do it. He went to Balak and he tried to curse God's people, but three times he spoke that which was a blessing. And you know what he said the first time he went back to God? If you have the old King James Version, he said, I want to go back and see what more God has to say. I believe we need to understand when God says something, we don't need to see what more he has to say. He said it once, we need to leave it alone at that. Make our choice based on what God says, not try and find something else that God says that will allow us to do what we want to do. Peter was rebuked over in Galatians, the second chapter, because he left serving those who were the Gentiles because he was afraid of the Jews who had come from Jerusalem. They weren't going to do anything wrong to him, but he thought he might get left out. He thought he might be looked down upon by those Jews. And therefore he played the hypocrite. So much so that Barnabas was misled by him. We find Pilate over in Mark the 15th chapter. That crucified our Lord. Because he desired to please the people. How many times do we make choices. Because we want to please the people. God demands that we serve him. And our choices should always be to serve him. Look with me in Deuteronomy. Some of the Old Testament books have some really wonderful statements concerning God and his desire for us. In Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter, speaks of us and the need that we have to serve God and what God demands of us. Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 12. Read with me. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which he commands you this day for your good. What does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God? The fear he's talking about here is not a fear of punishment. You know, when I was a young young person, way young, 70 some odd years ago, young person. My daddy was a very stern disciplinarian. And that's a good word we don't even know about today. Most people have left that word behind. My dad was a strong disciplinarian. And whenever I did something wrong, he gave me the opportunity to help out. He says, you go out there and cut your switch off. And you know, I knew that I had to cut one that was big enough to last for whatever I was going to get, but not small enough to break. And it wasn't too big that I was going to get hurt. So I had to get one that had a good whip to it and a good movement to it. And Dad would allow me to go get that switch myself. And many times I did that. It came from time that I feared being whipped. I feared, I feared the pain. Obviously, it didn't last too long. But I feared that. But as I became older and had years behind me, and understood what he was doing, that kind of pain changed to a fear of disappointment. The fear we talk about here is the fear 
that we will disappoint the God who has extended so much grace to us that he offered his only begotten son on the cross. Once we have come to that kind of fear, fear becomes love. It's a fear that we will disappoint the one who gave everything he could for us. We have no way of paying the price for our redemption. No way of paying for the price of our guilt. And God made that price, paid that price himself. And God desires us to fear him in that way so that we serve him out of love. We serve him out of a desire to do his good will. And once we've come to that point, we will start to make decisions that are based upon good things, not upon serving man. We know that persecutions will come in this life. Every Christian will suffer persecution. But those persecutions are tempered with the understanding that in the great here and after, there will be a home with God. There will be a wonderful place of rest for us. In John chapter 6, Christ was talking about the things that were going to come to pass as far as his life toward the end. That he would pass from this life and many of his disciples were disappointed with that. And it says, they were told as he spoke there that many disciples left him and walked no more with him. And he asked Peter, said, will you also at this time leave me? And I think Peter's response was one that we need to think seriously about. Peter responded that there was no one else to go to. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Who are we going to go to besides Jesus Christ? Who are we going to go to when we make a decision but Jesus Christ? Do we make our decisions based upon worldly things or upon things that will be eternal? David said in Psalm chapter 84, 10, that one day in the house of the Lord was worth a thousand in the seat of the evil one. One day is better than a thousand days. How many times do we consider that? In Luke chapter 14, the man is there told, the Christ there told them they need to count the cost before they start serving him. I remember when I was a young person, we used to go up to Damascus. We had a farm at Damascus, Arkansas. We lived in Conway. We had a farm up at Damascus. And we went up there every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday and Friday. And baled hay on the days when the, when the hay was good and uh, moved cattle around when the, when the cattle moving time was. Or if, we, if Daddy had a crop of cucumbers or watermelons, we picked cucumbers or watermelons. Had to do that every day of the week except Wednesday because we had Wednesday night church. And we didn't do it Saturday afternoon because we had Sunday to get ready for but we go up there, there was an old man that had built a barn on the side of the road just north of Greenbrier. And he started out real good. I remember one spring, the building went up real fast and the walls and everything got put up and got a roof put on it and it stopped. And every year after that, the building set a little bit, it leaned a little bit further over and leaned a little bit further over and he never did finish that building. He didn't have enough money to finish that barn and finally that building just fell over. That man didn't count the cost. We need to count the cost of what it costs to serve God. Christ said in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, He who takes hold of the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. When you take a hold of the plow and you're going down through the field and you're plying a row, you turn around like this, the old plow is going to turn sideways. 
either going to plow a cookie row or you'll run into a root and hit that root and it'll break and snap back and whack you in the leg. It's just a bad thing all around. You don't turn around and look back once you start plowing. We need to count the cost and be ready to serve Christ and serve God with all of our heart. The lesson is yours this morning. I hope it's been a benefit to you. Hope there's something that we said that can be of use to you in serving God. Hope it'll be of benefit to you in making choices in, in the things that you do throughout your life. If there's anyone here this morning that has a need of obeying the gospel or with the help of this congregation in any way whatsoever, John selected a song of encouragement. Won't you come forward while we stand in the seat?